I want to see how it goes. Um, I want you to put one hand behind your back. I'm going to put one hand behind your back. Okay. So, now what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that you are at a sporting event. It can be baseball, soccer, basketball, whatever your fancy is, okay? And the, te the team that you are cheering for just did something spectacular. And while you are still able to scream, you really want to applaud. Now, what I want you to do is, without using anyone next to you or anything next to you, is I want you to try to clap. Don't look at each other because it's going to be kind of funny. Okay, so, so try to... Can you, can you, am I the only one that's going to try this? Okay, it doesn't sound real good. Okay, now, imagine this. You have come home from a long day of work, maybe school, and you're tired. And you're thinking, I could really use a neck rub. But there's just no one in your house that's willing to do that for you. And so you decide you're going to have to do it yourself. So what I want you to do is I want you to just try, see if it actually feels good to give yourself a neck rub. It doesn't make sense, right? Because you're, you're, you're tensed up. It doesn't, doesn't feel right. And now what I want you to do, with still a hand behind your back, is to partner up with the person next to you. And if you don't know the person next to you, it's going to get real awkward. Okay? <laughs> and if you would rather not, that's fine. But if you're married to the person that's next to you, we're going to imagine this very same thing. All right? You're at a sporting event. Something amazing just happened. You're cheering, but you want to clap. Now you can use them to help you out. So let's hear how that sounds. Help, help each other out. Clap. Clap. It actually sounds like applauding. Very good, very good. Now, some of you, again, that don't know the person next to you aren't married, you're going to want to skip this next one. Now, you just got home from a hard day's work, okay, and all you want is a little neck rub. Go ahead and give your significant other. You guys can skip. You guys over here, that's fine. Doesn't that feel a lot better? Doesn't that feel a lot better? Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Go ahead, sit down. Sit down. <laughs> Go ahead, have a seat. You know, you've seen tonight that Life is, is better together. You know, that life alone, is, it, it's got its holes, right? And, and just for the next few minutes, I promise it's going to be short, but I, I want us to see that this race that we're running, this race called life, you, you're, you're not in it alone, but you do have to run. The, the goal is to run and to finish, and it is in your life your goal to Worship our God. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to get out of tonight. We're going to be in Hebrews tonight. Hebrews chapter 12. And what we are doing is we're coming, if we're in Hebrews chapter 12, we're just coming from Hebrews chapter 11. And if you know anything about Hebrews chapter 11, you know it's a great faith chapter. And so it starts off saying, therefore, and of course, we need to look back into the previous chapter, figure out what therefore is talking about. It's talking about all the different examples that the author has given us of faith. He's citing different examples. If these people have been through life and they've been deemed worthy of being put into the great hall of faith. They, they went through struggles, but they did it. And you, you may look at that list and think, my goodness, some of these people, the, the lives that they lived, man, I, I don't know how they're in the hall of faith. But they are because of the power of God and that, the fact that God can use anybody. And so the author says, because of them, you see you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. That cloud of witnesses is the example of those that have gone before you, that have lived the life before you. He says, because of that, what you need to do is lay aside any encumbrance that may be around you. See, an encumbrance is simply just a burden. It's something, it's a weight, it's something that holds you back. In fact, if you're weight training, 
a lot of times people would put those weights on your ankles and on your, your wrists and you'll run. And the idea is when you're done, you'll be able to run a little bit faster. You know, the, the author says, you know what, take those off because they, they're holding you back. And, and what we've seen by these examples is we've seen that it is possible, it is possible to live a life of faith through the power of God. Because what we also know is the people in the Great Hall of Faith, they had it harder, probably harder than they were facing death because of their beliefs. He says we need to simply just lay it all down. But see, some of the things that are around us, and you'll agree with me, right? Some of the things that are around us, that surround us, that, that come in against us, they're, they're not, it's not in our control and it's not really our fault. You know, the world around us will, uh, will crowd us down, will cause us to carry the pains and the emotions of life. And, and, and the burdens of life. And, and a lot of times we can't do anything about the world around us. But we're still, we're still told, don't let it affect you. Kind of put that away, put it down, don't let it affect you. But there are some things that you and I can control. There are some things that we do have responsibility for. And the way the text put it is, it's that sin that so easily entangles us. Of course, we obviously know what sin is, missing the mark of perfection. And what we know is that sin, because it's fun... And because it feels good, therefore it is enticing. And if you get enticed and you get even close enough to it, there's a chance that you may be entangled by it. And the sin, when it entangles us, it's not so easy for us to leave it behind. If you're running, physically running in a race, and somebody throws out some things in front of you, a rope or whatever, I don't know why they would do that, it seems kind of odd. But if they did it, you probably would trip up. You'd get to, it would at least slow you down. You know, the sin around us. The sin, when we, it seems so enticing, and then it's so enticing that we actually make the decision to go out and do it, and then it weighs us down, it brings us down. The author says, you know, you need to leave, just, just leave all that behind, and it doesn't give us a whole lot of how-tos, but he says, those burdens, it's not worth holding on to, as a believer, you are forgiven, those sins are no more, go ahead and run your race, that's the next thing he says, put it all behind you and simply run. Now when I think of just running, I think of uh, uh, Forrest Gump. Anybody ever seen Forrest Gump in here? Right? Run, Forrest, run! Right? Uh, you know, Forrest, he, he enjoyed running once he got the, the things off his legs. And he ran long distances, and people would try to keep up with him. Look, some of you in here are runners. Most of us are not. Okay? I'm not a runner. But there are those of you who run... Okay, and you enjoy it. I'm sorry, I can't relate to you. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's just painful. But running can, can be exhausting and difficult because you are exerting energy. See, those of you who, who do run, um, you know that you can have, uh, you can run differently, right? You can just say, I'm going to go out for just a, an easy run, an easy jog, which for me would kill me, the easy jog. But you may say, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to have an easy jog and it's going to relax my mind. I'm going to take it easy. Then there's going to be times where you're like, man, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go hard. I'm going to train for a marathon. I know you're, you're training for a marathon, aren't you? Or did you do it yet? I did half marathon Oh, you did it yesterday. How did it turn out? Good. Awesome. Again, a girl I can't understand. <laughs> you know, running. But you know that when you get to that race, you get to run. you got to exert all your energy. You know, there, there are different ways to run. You can go out and you can take a nice, easily, leisurely jog, or you can go at a full-out sprint. See, our race, the race of life, we, we, we can take it easy. We can say, oh, I'm, I'm going I'm to compromise on just a certain few things. I'm just going to do it real easy. But that's not what is asked of us and not what is required. See, this term run in Greek writing was used uh, to denote extreme peril, which requires the exertion of all one's effort to overcome. 
See, the author doesn't say, oh, just go out for a job. Just jog this, this race of life. He says, no, you want to run it. You want to put everything that you've got into it. Because you know, I know, we wake up every single morning, and we have to drag ourselves out of bed, and we know that in order to make it through my day, I've got to get some momentum. I've got to run, and I've got to run hard, and I've got to put all my momentum into it. Every single day, you've got to do that. You've got to run this race. And if we don't, if we don't run as hard as we can and with as much effort, we do get weighed down by the world. We get tripped up by sin. But, if you notice in the text, if we run, and we run with all of our strength, we can endure. We can endure through the race. And, and endure just simply means to hold up under that pressure. To stay underneath that pressure and to hold up under it because we know that we will make it. Because we serve an awesome God. An awesome God that can give us the strength to carry on through this race called life. And so, but in order to make it through the race, in order to have success in the race, you've got to have a goal. You have a marathon, you set a goal for yourself. And that's the, that's the bullseye, you're, you're going for it. Look, in life, we have got to have a goal, we've got to have a target. And what we find in this text is the target is the promoter of our race, and that's Jesus Christ. We not only run for him, but we fix our eyes on him. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the designer, the prince, the example. He is literally God in the flesh. You know, Jesus, he created this race. He, he actually entered the race, right? And he ran it with perfection, and he is our perfect example. But see, just knowing that, and not connecting it with your heart, and not connecting it with some personal application, just knowing it doesn't necessarily do anything for you. You've got to know it, but also apply it. And so the author says, you know what? You need to fix your eyes on Jesus. You need to fix your eyes. Not just, okay, I'm just going to blindly stare up in the sky and run through this, this thing called life. No, no, no. It's not about that. See, fixing your eyes on Jesus, fix literally means to turn away from other things and fix them on something else. So if the author is telling us to fix our eyes on Jesus, that must mean that our eyes are and can possibly be fixed other places. How many of you know it's distracting to run through life? I mean, we can be distracted by really good things, things that society and even the church would say, no, no, those are good, but maybe it's distracting us from what God really wants us to do and distracting us from actually running the race and running it with endurance. We get distracted and we lose sight of the goal. And the goal is to finish the race, but it's not just to finish, to say we finished it. It's to meet the author and creator to meet that promoter. See, we, we, we fix our eyes on him. Not the things around us. We don't let it take us away. We fix our eyes on him. Why? Verse 2 and 3 tells us why. Because he gave himself for you. Because he went to the cross. Because he was shamed. He, he felt hostility by sinners, which, by the way, the very sinners that he created. And, and the author says, consider it. Think about Jesus. Think about what he has done for you. Think about what he went through for you. Now, there are people that would say, well, there are many people throughout history that have died terrible deaths. Died terrible deaths for their faith. In fact, there are others that were crucified in history. Not just Jesus. Is there a chance that somebody suffered physically more than Jesus? Perhaps. You know, in the great faith chapter, it says, you know, people were sawed in two. They were burnt. I mean, gruesome things. But they were not 
the Creator. They were not the ones responsible for putting the air into the lungs of those who spewed venom towards Jesus. They weren't the ones who created the hands of those that gripped the whip or the thorns or even the hammer that drove the nails into the very wood that he created. None of them were perfect. None of them had the ability to save. But Jesus did. The author says, consider that. Think about that. Think about what it does to your heart and to your life to think about that. And notice, it doesn't say he just kind of casually ran his race. It doesn't say he just barely made it to the finish line. No, it says what? It says he endured the cross. See, Jesus, even though being fully God, he was fully man. He felt the pain. He felt the pressure of the race, the pressure of the world all around him, the world crashing in on him, and yet he had the power to say, you know what, okay, this is, this is done. I've had enough of this, and so it's, it's over. He didn't do that. He endured. He held up under the pressure. He allowed the pressure because he was in control. He allowed the pressure to be on him, and he finished his race. He finished it. Notice verse 1. How are we supposed to run our race. Supposed to run it with endurance. This is the same way that Jesus ran his race. We're supposed to run it with endurance. The author says, consider it. Consider who he is. Consider what he's done. Look, when you feel like you are, are, you're down and you feel like you're losing strength and you feel like you can't go on, verse 3, look, he says, consider him because when you consider him, when you consider all that Jesus did for you and for me, and you consider about the bad day that you had or the, 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 the bad diagnosis that you had or whatever you got going on in your life, if you consider him, it says you will not grow weary and you will not lose heart. Why? Because death has been conquered. The grave has been beaten and Jesus ran the race for his heavenly father and for you, and he beat it. And so, for you and I, we look at these examples, and we find out we can do this. We can run this race. We look at the great cloud of witnesses, the examples before us, and then we see the example of Jesus Christ, how he went through his race, and how he endured, and we find out that we can do it through the strength of God. That's interesting, you're seeing on your screen, the personal pronouns that are used throughout this. Just, just let's look at it. We have, a, we have a great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. Let us lay aside every sin that entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. You're not alone. You've seen that tonight. You, you are not alone in this race. And we know that the author of Hebrews, he was a believer. And we know that he was writing to believers. And we have confidence that each person in this room tonight are believers. Look, he is not only encouraging them, he's encouraging himself, and he's encouraging us tonight. Because we, us, our, we're all in it together. We have these examples. We all have that, and you've heard it tonight. We've even said it. We all have the same struggles. It's neat to be able to hear, not as neat that we struggle, but it's neat to hear that you've got the same struggles I have, and we can help each other. Because we all live in the same world and we experience the same sin that easily entangles us. And what we need to do is run our race with endurance and fix our eyes on Jesus. That's why we do these. That's why, we, that's why we're part of the life groups. That's why these life groups become so important. And that's why you are so important to this ministry and to the family of God. Because life is not meant to be lived alone. 
Think if you had to try to clap all by yourself with only one hand or give yourself a back rub. You, you, you are not meant to live alone. Look, your purpose in life is to glorify God and to share His name. If, if, if you're one of those who are like, man, I wish I'd just get away from people, go on a deserted island and enjoy myself. Guess what? You wouldn't be fulfilling your purpose. You may enjoy it for a little while, but you wouldn't be fulfilling your purpose. Your purpose is to glorify God in all that you do and to run the race and also be there for each other. Think about the testimonies that you've heard tonight about everybody leaning on the other person. That's what it's about. And so you've heard those testimonies tonight. You've heard the testimonies about what can happen when you just say yes to Jesus. Look, despite all the excuses that we all could come up with for not being a part of the life group, there's a million of them out there. Trust me, it's, it's, it's one more night out of my week, right? It's, you know, I have a hard week. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. Man, I really didn't want to come to group tonight. I had this going on. I had this going on. You don't know how much of a struggle it was for me to come to life group tonight. But by the end of it, I usually hear, my goodness, I'm so glad that I didn't skip. I'm so glad that I came to life group. I'm so glad that I have my brothers and my sisters to hold me up and, and so that we can pray together and be challenged in God's word. Look, you and I could come up with a number, a number of different excuses to, 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 to back away from our, the commitment that we gave, but we, we don't do it because it's worth doing. And what we find is that God is capable of anything. And sometimes it just, sometimes God just needs a yes. And then he'll say, you know what? Sit back and watch. Sit back and watch what I can do. So, so what do we do? What, what, what do we do with this brief little challenge? Which, by the way, look, this passage is so full and so rich. There's no possible way we could look at it with this short amount of time. But so what do we, what do, we do with it? Well, you see it up on the screen. The first thing you need to do we, 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 need to, we need to run. If you can back up one, Jim. We, we need to simply run our race. We, we, we need to recognize the goal. The goal is to finish the race for Christ, to see the, the, the author and perfecter of our faith, and to fix our eyes on him and not be distracted about the things of the world. And, and we're to run with endurance, and we're supposed to realize that we are not alone. We're not. We have the Holy Spirit. We have each other. But also there's something that we need to be doing as we are running, as we are going, and something that we are going to do in just a few minutes, and that is worship. Your life needs to be full of worship, and worship sometimes gets uh, kind of pigeon-toed into, into uh, just one little hole of music and, 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 and singing, and, and that's worship. And then we're going to move on and we're going to do something else. Well, your life can be worship. You've heard me define worship before. I, I, I've simplified it because it makes sense in my simple mind. It's, worship is simply our response to who God is and what he is doing. And I will tell you this. God is doing great things through this body. He is. God's doing great things through our life groups, and he's doing great things in and through your life. And so the question is, how are we going to respond? I'm going to ask the fellows to, to, to come up. And as, as we sing, I, I, I want you to think about what your response. Look, your response can literally be anything. Your response can be singing. It can be raising of hands. It, it, it can be, you know, some of you maybe are thinking, well, you know, maybe I want to be a facilitator next, next uh, in, in September. Maybe that's your response. But your response, response should be a life of worship because it is him who gives us our strength. Think about this. Isaiah 40, 28-31. Strength is not in us. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, 
the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. Aren't you thankful for that? Don't you get weary and tired. I, I know I'm not the only one. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. That's me, that's you. And to him who lacks might, he increases in power. Though youth grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. Man, we stumble. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. That's the challenge that's in front of us, is to live a life of worship, to run our, our race. And so I just simply want to ask you, I want to ask you guys just to stand up. We're going to give you just one more opportunity to worship him, and then we're going to close in prayer afterwards. without you. Lord, we, we fall, we get tired, but Lord, we're not alone. We know that we're called to run our race, to fix our eyes on you, to run it with endurance, because that's the way you ran your race. So we thank you for the body that we are around, the family that we are around, that we can lean on. Lord, and they can lean on us. Well, that's what it's about. It's about, it's about those relationships. You've made us as relational beings. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for what you're doing 
through these life groups. I thank you so much for each individual person that is involved in these life groups and all the, the things that it takes to make these things work. Lord, and it's because of you. We give you all the glory and you all the praise because we are just in awe of you. Thank you so much for a great night of worship, to be able to focus on you, the powerful testimonies that we've heard of how you've used people, Lord. And it's just, it's not a testament to us, it's a testament to you. And so we're grateful for that. Lord, as now we, we, we head out, Lord, uh, we have some snacks, Lord. May you uh, bless that food to our bodies and just dismiss us as we go and give us a great week and help us to run with endurance. We thank you for all this in your name. Amen. Amen.